It's good to be with you today on the 5th of autumn. All right. You know it's autumn in March, all right? Um, so it's getting a little bit colder. The days are getting shorter. The nights are getting longer. Um, so as we head into a new season, I really believe that we are heading into some special times in this congregation as well. God has announced a new season, a new time, and uh, that season arrived uh, last year in October. We really felt a shift in the spirit um, to what God has called us to and what we're busy with, and uh, I trust that you are enjoying a new spiritual season as well. So in, in this season, we are intentionally moving in the direction of becoming spiritually mature people. We don't want to be infants anymore. We don't want to uh, drink milk, as the Bible says. We really want to move on to certain things. But it looks a little different than we might expect. So we are in the second week of the series, as you once said, what on earth am I here for? And we are going to answer this question from Scripture, why are you here? Just look at someone next to you and say, why am I here? I hope they have the answer for you. <laughs> Because I think many husbands think sometimes your wife asks that question about you. Why is he here? All right. So we, we kicked off last week and introduced this whole series and this whole campaign. And I really hope that you're into this. I really hope that you're fasting and praying with us, that you've joined a connection group, that you are part of this whole uh, six-week journey where we discover why we're here. And we started off with the idea that God is the creator of everything, that He is the one that holds everything together, that everything is about and for Him. Without Him, nothing has purpose. Nothing has purpose on this earth. And I used the example last week to tell you, if, if I put down some kind of invention, some brand new invention that nobody had ever seen, brand, brand new, how would you know what it does? And we said, well, there's only one of two ways. Firstly, you speak to the creator, the one who made it, the inventor, because he or she would know what that thing is supposed to do. Or secondly, read the instructions. Now, we know the creator, and we've received instructions in the form of scripture about our lives. And so that's primarily where we find our purpose. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've ever asked that question, why am I here? You need to hear what the next five weeks is all about. Because we're going to discuss a specific purpose from Scripture for your life that God has designed you for. Now, if you were hoping to find out things like, should I change my job? Or Maybe you're younger and you're looking for the right person to marry or deciding where to go study or where to go work or we're not going to talk about those things because those things are peripheral to why God has created you, what the main purpose is, why God has put you on this earth. And we're going to discuss that main purpose. Now, there was an author and a pastor by the name of Miles Monroe, and if you're taking notes, you need to write this down. He said the following, when purpose is not known, abuse 
is inevitable. I'm going to say it again. When purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. If you don't know the purpose of something, you will tend to abuse it. Not because you want to or you're malicious or anything. It's simply because you just don't know. And it reminded me this week of, who of you have seen uh, The Little Mermaid, the Disney film The Little Mermaid? Okay, so that sort of gives away your age, but okay. Do you remember this little scene where Ariel, the mermaid, came out of the water and spoke to the seagull because he was apparently well-versed in human affairs, and she said, no, she found these treasures on the ocean floor, and he, the first thing he took out was a fork. And he like, acted like he knew exactly what this fork was. And he said, no, it was an instrument that they used to comb their hair, to straighten their hair. Right. Now, you can use a fork for that if you're so inclined, but I'd recommend you don't because it's not made for that. And very often, if we don't understand the purpose that God has placed us on earth for, we unintentionally abuse our own lives. You do things that you should not be doing. You move in a direction that God hasn't planned for you. And, and unintentionally, things maybe don't work the way that God intended them to work. And so, before we get into the first purpose, we need to just revisit one thing. And that's this whole idea that life is not about you. Just say to someone next to you, life is not about you. And all the wives say, amen. amen. <laughs> life is not about you. You were created for a specific purpose and part of that bigger purpose is this whole truth from Scripture that God created everything for one reason, that is for His glory. If you've got your Bibles with you, I'm going to read from a couple of verses today. So if you know your Bible, well, let your fingers do the walking. If you don't know your Bible, use the Bible app, search for it as quickly as you can, otherwise it will be on the screen. But this is what Isaiah 61 verse 3 says, the B part. It says, in their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted, and listen to this, for his own glory. He's talking about the people of Israel. He's talking about us. He's saying that God has planted you for this reason, for his own glory. Not for you. Not for you to become something great. It is for his glory. Glory, that's why he planted you. Uh, listen to what Revelation 4 verse 11, that's right at the end of the Bible. If you're new to the Bible, the very, very last book, so it's easy to find, chapter 4 verse 11. It says, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and they exist because you created, listen to this, what you pleased. You are worthy to receive all glory and honor and power because you are the one that created everything and it pleased you. And that touches on the very first purpose of your life. If God created everything on earth for his pleasure, that means that you were created for God's pleasure. That's the first purpose of your life. 
is to bring glory to him, to bring honor to him, to live a life that pleases him. That is the first purpose of your life. But you see, we don't like that explanation because it feels really not about you. <laughs> because we like things about us. We like to understand our purpose and we read all these self-help books. And, and the, the problem with most self-help books is that they are self-centered. It's about you. Whereas the Christian faith, it's not about you, it is about God. Him first, primarily, above all things, it is not about you. And that takes enormous effort on our part to move the focus of our attention away from our own selfish ideas. And I know the word selfish, you're sitting here and thinking, oh, I'm not selfish, the person next to me is selfish. But we're all, we're all selfish to some extent. To move the focus from our own selfish inclinations and ideas to the focus on God. And so we have to depart from this place that everything was created for God and for His glory, which means that the first purpose of your life is to bring Him pleasure, to please Him, to satisfy Him. I want to read you two verses, Psalm 149, verse 4. Because not only were you created for God's pleasure, but this is important to understand that God actually takes pleasure in you. Psalm 149 verse four says, for the Lord delights in his people. God likes you just the way you are. He is pleased with you. He made you, he formed you, he gave you the, the features that you have. Some of those features we, we try really hard to change because we don't like what we see in the mirror, so we try to save up so much money and go for plastic surgery just so we can look different. You know what the problem with too much plastic surgery is? Is you might get to heaven and God doesn't recognize you. <laughs> just kidding. But here's the thing, God likes you. He likes the way that you're put together and your sense of humor and your sense of style, and what, what you can do with your hands and with your mind and with your creativity. God likes you. He delights in his people. That's why he created you, because he likes you. And we said this last week, remember, scripture is clear about this, that even before you were formed in the womb, God already had plans for you. That's what we spoke about last week. God knew you from before you were born. He had these plans and these purposes for your life. And the very first purpose is, is that you will just please him. Ephesians 1 verse 5, the New Living Translation says this, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Let's just pause there for a moment. In advance, God said this. Not only did I create you, but you've been separated from my love because of sin, but already I had a plan because I really want you to be my child. I like you so much that I made a plan that in Jesus Christ, you could be with me. And then Paul writes this. 
This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. God likes you. You know, there's a question that if you're married, you need to ask every now and then. Because we, we tend to say, I love you quite easily. But sometimes you need to ask the question of your spouse, do you still like me? Because <laughs> there's a difference. See, God not only loves you, God likes you. He's pleased with you. And so if the main purpose of our lives, one of the, the main purposes is to bring him glory, to honor him, to please him, the Bible has a word for that. The Bible has a specific word for that. And we're gonna talk about that word for a moment because that word sometimes gets lost in translation and in the overuse of the word in the modern day, we have lost sort of the meaning of what that word means. But if you wanna summarize bringing glory and honor and pleasure to God, it is summarized in this word, worship. Just say it out loud, say worship. All right. John 4 verse 23 says the following, but the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And then the Bible says, John says, or Jesus says this, the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. God is looking for worshipers. And the problem with that word is that we have come to define worship as something that we do on a Sunday. We have, we have a certain idea of worship because we've got all these albums coming out. And it's worship music and worship that. And this is the first thing that you need to understand about worship. Worship is much more than music. It is so much more than music. Very often we, we come to church and we'd say things like, no, we had a great time of worship and then we had a sermon. Do you know that is wrong? It's not we had a time of worship. We had a time of singing and then we had a sermon. That's actually what we're doing. And worship is so much more than just the songs that we sing. But unfortunately, in, in the modern culture, worship became music. Now, music is part of that. Music and dancing and being creative and all of that is part of worship. But there is so much more to worshiping God than simply singing songs. So if worship is more than singing songs, the second thing about worship that you need to know is that worship is not for your benefit. Oh, we don't like this one. Because we like coming to church, singing songs, having the goosebumps and going home and say, oh, we had such a great time of worship. And when the band makes mistakes and things don't really run as smoothly as you'd like them and you go home and you say, yeah, no, the worship didn't really do much for me today. If you say that, you have missed the point. Because worship is not about how good you can feel. It is about whether you can please God or not. It's not for your benefit. Sure, 
When we worship God, when we sing together, when we have times of singing and music, sometimes music has the emotional ability to communicate things that a speaker doesn't. There's a reason why I sit in the front of the church. It's not because I'm the pastor. It's so I, I don't want all of you seeing me crying every single Sunday. Because we'd sing something and we'd sing a song or two and then very often a sentence in a song would capture my heart. And my only reaction then is to tear up and cry. I can't help it. I never cry outside of church. But when I realize I'm singing something like you are worthy of it all, and that sentence hits home, like he really is worthy of it all. It really is not about me. It really is all about him. You are worthy of all that I have to give. When that hits home, Sure, I do get the goosebumps and I do get the crying, but that doesn't make it a good time of worship. Because I can be singing songs, I can be tearing up, I can be crying without my attention being on God, and then all I'm actually doing is having a good time singing karaoke. Listen, we've got a great karaoke setup. We've got a good screen, we've got good sound, we've got a good band, we've got some good songs. It's a fun karaoke time if your attention is not focused on him. If you think it should be about you getting goosebumps, then we had a good time of worship. That's not what worship is. It is a time of surrender where you bring your life to him and say, you are worthy of it all, Lord. So worship is more than music. It's not for your benefit. And thirdly, worship is not a part of your life. It is your life. If you were made for God's pleasure, if you were made to bring honor to Him, it means that everything that you do should bring pleasure to God. This is what Paul writes in Corinthians. I don't have it on the screens, but I'm going to read it to you. Now listen to what he says. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, say whatever. Look at someone next to you and say whatever. Whatever you do. What does whatever mean? Well, it's simple. Whatever. Every single thing that you're busy with, Paul says this, do it all for the glory of God. Everything that you're doing, make sure it glorifies Him. Make sure it glorifies Him. The first purpose of your life is to bring pleasure to God, is to honor Him. And the Bible uses this word worship to describe it. But we're gonna, we're gonna dive slightly deeper and I'm gonna give you five practical things that you need to be doing to live a life of worship. And so singing is not one of them because you know how to sing. You might not sing well, but at least you know how to sing. And so this is the question that I want to answer today. Well, if I'm made for God's pleasure, if I am designed to bring Him glory and worship is the way, this is the question, well, what makes God smile? What makes God smile? 
I don't know about you, but I love the smile on the faces of the people that I love. I love to see my wife smile. I love to see my kids smile. I love to make them happy because I love them. Now, I wanna tell you one way not to make your kids smile. All right, so yesterday, we were at home, just the kids and I, and so Ava comes up to me, she's turning eight this month, and she says, Daddy, can we do something fun? I'm already very suspicious, like what, what is fun? Because an eight-year-old's imagination is quite broad, right? So I'm thinking, okay. So I said, okay, like what? Can we go walk around in Toys R Us? <laughs> now that's a loaded statement. <laughs> and I said, just walk around. She said, no, I just want to walk around. I said, okay. So 12 o'clock was load shedding. We got in the car, drove to East, East Rand Mall, went to Toys R Us. And the first thing that Ava did is, she wanted to have my phone. And I said, why do you want my phone? No, I want to take pictures of all the toys that I want for my birthday. <laughs> so there's an eight-year-old little girl running around in Toys R Us, going from aisle to aisle going, woo, woo. And people are looking at her. She's just taking pictures. I could have pretty much just taken aerial snapshot of Toys R Us. That's what she wants. The whole store. All right. So now we walk around and I... Beforehand, I made the decision that, you know, I'm not going to buy anything because we were going to walk around. That's what she said. And now after the excitement of taking photos of all the big expensive toys, Ethan and Ava both, they walk past the, the shelves with these little toys, you know, the less expensive ones. And they know their dad would probably buy a less expensive thing for them. So they walk around like this. You know, it's, it's like trying to tell me, do you see this and can we have this? But they don't say it. They just walk like, <laughs> and they touch it. And they stand with it in their hand with eyes pleading. And I just act like I'm really stupid. I'm not seeing anything. <laughs> so all excited before Toys R Us, after Toys R Us, we get in the car, drive home, and both of them are in the car like this. Now I'm laughing on the inside. So I'm saying, why do you look the way you do now? No, nothing. <laughs> and Ava sits on the front seat and she pushes back the backrest. She just goes down all the way. <laughs> she lies flat on her back. I say, what are you doing? I just want to rest a little while. <laughs> now I know. Why she does that, she really hoped her dad would buy her something. And even in that moment, I'm sitting there smiling because I love them. I just love them. They make me smile. They bring me great pleasure. And so how does your life bring pleasure to God in a practical way? Well, firstly, God smiles when you love him supremely. 
God smiles when you truly love him above everything else. Hey, and that's a question that only you can answer. Do you really love God more than anything else in your life? Is he truly your first love? Is he truly the one that you focus your attention on? The one that you, you want to pay honor to? The one that you want to glorify? The one that your, your life is directed by? Do you love him or do you love the things that he can give you? God smiles when you love him supremely. Isn't that the first and greatest commandment that Jesus said? Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Love him above all else. But you see, sometimes we love him with our hearts, but not with our strength. We love him with our souls, our emotions, but not really with our minds. Somehow we, we find these ways of loving him with certain parts of our life, but everything is not completely surrendered. God smiles when you love him supremely. Secondly, God smiles when you trust him completely. Do you really trust him? That's a way of worship, loving him, trusting him. Do you trust him with your life? Do you trust him with your finances? Do you trust him with your marriage, with the relationships in your life? Do you trust him with the things that you're struggling with? Those things that you, you really try to, to handle it and you're trying to cover it up and you're trying to manage it in your life. Do you trust him with that in your life? Do you trust him completely? He smiles when you love him supremely. He smiles when you trust him completely. He smiles when you obey him wholeheartedly. There's a story in the book of Samuel where God told the king of Israel at that time, but the name of the man of a man by the name of Saul, to attack a certain people and kill everything that they had. Kill everything, leave nothing alive. That's what God said. And so Saul did something that we would consider, wow, look at his look at how how religious he is. Look at how, how much he loves God. What he did is he, he took the best cows and sheep and whatever they had and put them aside as an offering to God. And then the prophet Samuel comes to him and says, why have you not obeyed God? He said, but I did. I killed everyone. I just kept the best for God. And Samuel said, you did not do what he commanded. And then he says the following in verse 22 of chapter 15 in 1 Samuel. He says, obedience is better than sacrifice. God wants strict obedience, wholehearted obedience. What is it that God has told you to do that you're still not doing? What is it that you know God expects of you? Maybe something to start, maybe something to stop. 
and you know you're not really obeying. See, God smiles when you obey him wholeheartedly. Fourthly, God smiles when we praise and thank him continually. This talks about an attitude of the heart. We are so quick to complain about things in our lives, complain about things around us, complain, complain, complain. But here's the thing, Paul writes this in the book of Ephesians when he says, in Jesus Christ, we have received all spiritual blessings. He has given us so much. He has blessed us with everything that we need. And God smiles when we turn our hearts in the direction of being grateful. When we thank him and praise him continually for what he's done for us. What does gratitude look like in your life? See, very often we don't connect these things with worship. Loving God, obeying him, trusting him, being grateful. And lastly, God smiles when you use your abilities. God has crafted you in a certain way. You've got certain gifts and talents and abilities that he's given to you specifically to use. If you're really good at numbers and you excelled at math in school, maybe now you're working as a bookkeeper or a chartered accountant or Maybe you're in the financial world. Well, God smiles when you use that ability to the best of your ability. Maybe you're really good with your hands and you're creative. You, you make stuff. You, you build stuff out of wood or some other form of creative endeavor. And God smiles at that. What are you good at? What are you doing? What are you busy doing with the things that God has given you? Are you really using it to the best of your ability? Because that is worship. So God smiles when you love him, when you trust him, when you obey him, when you're grateful, and when you use your abilities that he's given you. That is a life of worship. That is a life of worship. And today, as I was preparing for today's message, I really felt God put something on my heart. Because you could hear all the information that I just gave you and walk out here and just be the same. But this is the first purpose of your life. It's to bring pleasure to God, to worship Him. And maybe you're feeling, well, well, great. Well, when do we get to the part of what job I should get or, you know, is my purpose to be rich or is my purpose? To... We're not gonna get to that because that's not why he created you. It might be an added bonus to your life, but the creator created you first and foremost to love him with your whole heart, your whole mind, your body, everything. And today I want us to do something prophetically. And if you go look in scripture in the Old Testament to the Old Testament prophets, you will see something interesting. 
that sometimes we think that prophets were just people that stepped on the stage and said, this is what God says, and then they spoke a word. It's not necessarily the way it went in Scripture. Between 70 and 80% of prophecies in the Old Testament were things that were acted out. They did stuff to symbolize something, a physical act to symbolize a spiritual truth. And today I'm gonna to ask you to do something physical. But before I get to that, I want you to take a moment and just be aware of what God might be putting his finger on in your life. Where is he saying that, listen, this is not pleasing to me. The way you do this, the way you handle that, the way you speak to those people, the way you handle your affairs in this way, the way that you handle your finances, the way that you treat your body, it's not pleasing to me. I want you to just close your eyes for a moment, just where you're at. Just become aware of what God is speaking right now. Because when He speaks, not when I speak, when He speaks, life flows. And allow Him for one moment just to speak to your spirit. Where are the places that He's placing His finger right now and saying, this is not pleasing to me. This is not what I want. Just think of your life. Whatever it is that God is speaking to you right now, just hold that thought. Hold that. Because here's what I want you to do practically. When God confronts us with a truth and God requires change, one of the ways in which we can show it is by submitting and humbling ourselves before God and going on our knees. And today I want to ask you this. I'm gonna ask you to do one of two things, depending on how, how strong you feel at the moment. If you sense God saying, there's something in your life that's not bringing me pleasure at the moment, I want you to either go down on your knees right where you are or to come kneel in the front, in front of everyone. If you're watching online, maybe just get on your knees right where you're at. But coming out in front of people is a public statement that says, I don't care what I look like. I want my life to worship him. So I'm gonna invite you, if there's anything, anything that you need to say, God, this is not bringing you pleasure, I wanna just repent from that tonight, today. I wanna just give it back to you. I invite you to do it now, and we're gonna pray together. Just bring that to God, whatever it is you have to bring to him right now, just say, Lord, I repent of this. Maybe it's an attitude, maybe it's something you're doing or not doing. Just bring it to God right now, just speak to him. Father, as your people this morning, we, we humble ourselves by kneeling before you. And Lord, in this morning, we, 
we repent of the things in our lives that do not bring you pleasure. The things that are not honoring to you. And we lay them at your feet, Lord, and this morning we repent. We turn around and amend our ways and walk away from those things. And we ask for your help, we ask for your assistance. Father, we recognize this morning that you are the one who deserves all our praise, all the glory, all the honor, all the power. And because of that, we want to direct our lives toward you. And so Lord, this morning we repent of attitudes. We repent of emotions. We repent of unforgiveness. We repent of the past and things that we've done, Lord. We repent for being disobedient and maybe not trusting you wholeheartedly and, and maybe not even loving you with our whole life, Lord. Whatever it might be, this morning as we are on our knees, we pray that your grace will be enough for us and that we would fulfill our first purpose to put a smile on your face. Because this morning we acknowledge that we were created for your pleasure. Thank you, Jesus. That we can turn our attention to you, the author and the perfecter of our faith, the one who bought us salvation on the cross of Calvary, and we thank you for that. As we lay down certain things today, may your grace be enough for us. May we bring pleasure to your heart, is our prayer. We pray this in Jesus' name. We all agree and we say, Amen. You may grab a seat for just one more minute because I want to leave you with a question this week. Just one question that might direct you toward a life of worship. Whatever you're doing this week, when you're working, when you're waking up, when you're working out, um, when you're talking to your spouse, when you're talking to a significant other, to a family member, to a friend, I don't, whatever you might be doing this week, I want you to sit with this question. If the main purpose of my life is to bring pleasure to God. If my life is supposed to worship Him, will this, what I'm doing now, bring glory to God? Is this how my life will glorify Him? I want you to sit with that question this week. Is this how my life will glorify Him? Busy working? Is this how my life will glorify him? Am I doing my best using your abilities? Is this how my life will glorify him? Raising your kids, is this how my life will glorify him? I want you to sit with that. And may your life experience a change as you start bringing pleasure to God, as you start pleasing him and putting a smile on his face because that's what we want. We were created for that.
And we all long for our Father in heaven to look down and smile on us. And may you experience that this week. May God be with you. It was such a pleasure having you with us. And may you experience the growth in your spirit as you journey with us on this series. May God bless you. I hope you have a fantastic Sunday and a great week. May you experience all his grace and his peace. God bless you. Cheers.